This program is a part of the Full Press Radio Network. Find this and all of Full Press Coverage's shows on fullpressradio.com or free on the Full Press Coverage app, available now on the Apple and Google Play stores. Hey, this is Dean Blandino, and you're listening to Clark and Ira on the I Test for Two podcast. Well, welcome back to the I Test for Two. I'm Clark Judge. I'm Ira Kaufman. And we are both, as you should know by now, Hall of Fame voters, joined today as we are each week by our Hall of Fame producer, Mr. Ian Glendon. So, Ira, this is the week in which the NFL opens its 2022-23 or 2022 season. Um, but I'll be honest with you. Um, if you live in the Tampa Bay area, and, and you and, and Ian do, you live in Tampa, Ian lives in St. Pete, I'm not sure who are like to win a division more, the Bucks or the Rays. What about you? I mean, the Yankees are falling apart. The Yankees are the falling Yankees, apart. The Yankees are falling apart, and the Rays do it with mirrors, but they do it every year with mirrors. I mean, that front office is tremendous. Yeah. Um, you know, Clark, they come up with guys in midseason nobody's ever heard of, and and they contribute. Uh, as far as the Bucks in the division. Look, a lot of people are jumping on the New Orleans Saints. A lot of them. I'll just say this, Clark. The Bucs have Tom Brady under center. The Saints have Jameis Winston. Yeah. Sounds like a winning edge. Yeah, sounds it sounds like, like a winning edge. Well, that's that, that's to my point that the Bucs are only as good as their quarterback. So tell me, you're in Tampa. What's going on with Tom Brady? I mean, what's going on with Brady? And I guess Giselle, because that's the story up here in the New York Post and all the local papers. you got to stop reading page six, uh, Clark. <laughs> no, I don't. One. I love page six. <laughs> you know, look, I think Brady did what he needed to do with the 11 days off. And look, he, he better be totally focused because Tom Brady's always 100% focused once he shows up. Yeah. And if he's not, Clark, at the age of 45, and if his focus is a little uneven, that spells a lot of trouble for the Bucs this year. Yeah, and I'm with you on the New Orleans thing. I mean, who's going to pose a threat in that division? I don't see anyone posing a threat in that division. You're Atlanta's right. Atlanta's terrible. Atlanta's yeah. terrible. Well, in Carolina, you got Baker Mayfield. I don't know how good they are or he's going to be. But as you mentioned, Jameis Winston, Tom Brady. Uh, yeah, I think I like Tom terrific. I, I want to get back to baseball just for a second because I know you like it. I follow it as well. The Rays are going to be in New York this weekend to play the Yankees. That's three more games. And and Yankee fans like me are getting nervous because they can't hit, they can't field. Now they got a zillion injuries. Rizzo just got put on the IL. Stanton's banged up again. Um, they've got one guy carrying him, Myra, and, and that's Judge. You know, like one guy carries his podcast, and that's Judge, right? Here's um, the good news. <laughs> now, look, here's the good news for Yankee fans: if they hold on, which I think they will, yeah, uh, and win the division, uh, maybe they can get these guys back by october and if they do clark they're, they're gonna be they're gonna be tough to beat yeah but it, it, you know tampa as you said they're always there at the finish line and look what happened last weekend the three games down there st pete where ian is three runs in three games that's who they are now i mean if it's if it's not judge it's nobody and and i i am getting worried about them coming on and, and the blue jays are getting hot too but somebody asked a question the other day and it's a valid question why wouldn't you just simply walk judge every time he comes to the plate because he's the only guy who can beat you the only guy the can beat Barry, you in that line. The old, uh, the old Barry Bond strategy. Walk Yeah, yeah Walk I, don't, I don't get it. Well, maybe we can get some help from today's guest, and that's Hall of Fame voter Bob Glauber, formerly a reporter and columnist 
at Newsday. And I say formally because he retired late last month after 45 years of covering sports and 37 of them covering the NFL. And Bob, first of all, thanks for being here. Secondly, congratulations on a storied and glorious career. And third, why now? Why you pull the plug now? You know, Clark, I took a good long drink and, and, and I say long, 45 years is a long time to do part-time taking scores over the phone to cover high school football games, to cover, cover the NFL. And I, I just felt like it was time. And um, sometimes you just know. And I kind of listened to the Bill Parcells in my head when he used to say, if you're thinking about retirement as a player, you're, you're retired. And, you know, I mean, there, there, there comes a time. And I, and I kind of wanted to – I just wanted to – like, it sounds corny, but do it on my own terms. And if you can do it, you yeah, know, do it. But Newsday, man, I, I have loved Newsday. I'll still I'll, – I got Newsday in my blood forever, and I'll still, I'll still write for them um, on, a, on an occasional basis. So it, it, was, it, was, it was the right time. Wow, you got Bill Parcells in your telling you to go. I've, oh, got my, my. I've got my wife in my ear telling me to go. We're two different people. <laughs> oh, my wife's been telling me for three years. Yeah, you know, every time we got to cancel a dinner, cancel vacation, cancel this or that. Because man, Clark, you know, they, and they don't. Nobody sees them, but I, you know, my wife has been. We have been together since uh, we got married. The first year I covered football, so we get married. On June 22nd, 1985, a couple weeks later, I'm walking into a press room with Vinny Detrani, Hank Gola, Dave Klein. I'm walking into a locker room with Bill Parcells, Lawrence Taylor, Joe Morris, Phil Sims, these great players. And I I mean, who who had it better than that? It was a great time to start covering him. Great. And you know, I meet you, you're out in San Francisco at, you know, for for a big chunk of it. We're covering 49ers, Giants, iconic games. It was some of the best times it was. of covering pro football, period. It, it was. And, and Ira doesn't know this, but I first started covering sports, Ira, with Glauber. Not Bob Glauber, Bill Glauber, his brother. We were covering high school sports together and covering uh, Dunbar basketball teams in Baltimore, having a great time. And I didn't know he had a brother until I was out <laughs> in San Francisco. And Bob and I got together. But you know what's funny, Bob, you talk about those times. Um, people today wouldn't understand when you talk about time management because I remember as a single guy, I'd be on a date somewhere having dinner. I'd go, I've got to call this agent. And I'd go running to the phone. And then you couldn't get him. And I'd come back for about 10 minutes, go running to the phone. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I was single for so long because they said, to hell with you. We're moving we on. A, you know, we had a press room at Giant Stadium. We called it the dungeon. You know, we're underground. <laughs> it's concrete. We had our line of communication was one payphone. Yeah, that's for right. Beat writers, for that's God's right. sake. We're, we're in the corner. That's right. You'd always start talking hush phones. Don't. And we had hey, Peter they, King in that room, for God's sake. <laughs> well, a quick, a quick aside on that. I remember once when Jerry McGee, the great Jerry McGee, who's in the Hall of Fame as a writer, um, was doing a story, and we were both trying to chase down Chuck Muncie. We are both trying to chase him down. Jerry covered the charges for the morning paper. I covered him from the afternoon paper. So he had the edge on me in the afternoon because he's got the next edition in the morning. And so he finally gets Chuck. He gets him in his room. He'd been traded to Miami, and he gets him in his hotel room. And I know where he got the number, but I couldn't get it. So Jerry says... Okay, uh, Chuck, hang on a second. Where can I get you again? And he always talked very loud. Chuck, good talking to you. Good. Where am I getting? And so he writes the number down. 
gets up to go to the bathroom. I looked at the number one. <laughs> now I got him. <laughs> That's the only way I could get him. That's the only way I could get him. They have one phone. <laughs> You're uh, as bad as all good men uh, over there, Cluck. You'll do anything. Uh, Bob, uh, now Cluck doesn't know this, but we're, Cluck, we're talking to a guy who's got his own Wikipedia page. I know. He's been profiled in New York Magazine. Uh, Bob, he's won the Hall of Fame sports writer, you know, for his body of work. So this is High Cotton we're talking to today, Clark. Absolutely. And I re- Michael Kay mentioned him on a Yankees broadcast last week. He did. <laughs> he didn't mention you. didn't mention me. He mentioned Bob. Now, Bob now, can- now whoever's Bob. listening here, hey, hey, you've heard of me, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, Bob, we're, we're about at the same. You know, I got 45 years in. Uh, my wife's on my back, too. Um, Bob, what what are you going to miss the most on the day-to-day grind? Are you going to follow Twitter as much as you have? Are you going to write books now? Uh, but that day-to-day grind, Bob, how are you going to adjust from that? Well, that that's pretty easy to me because for the foreseeable future, however long it takes, I'm going to stare straight ahead and do nothing. It's like this. I like it. That's a good look. Isn't that isn't that what we what we need? That's well, I, I will miss, but I miss I just Ira, 45 years. I'm I I gotta just, you know, dial it back. The guy, um, you know, I'm just gonna stare at the walls for a while, but I'll 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 re- I'll, I'll get a little second wind, reconstitute. And I do want to write books. I absolutely fell in love with that process. Um, writing about Parcells, Walsh, and Gibbs in the 80s, and then writing about the reintegration of pro football back in the 40s and how it kind of relates to today. There was something about that book writing process that got me. And I didn't expect that. But I'm like, I, I it took me to a place I'd never been, but it was a place I never don't want to be. You know, it's kind of, that makes sense. Um, uh, you've, done, you've done a heck of a job with those two books, Bob. Um, I appreciate I, it. I, I, I really enjoyed it. it. Yeah. So, but you, you'll and you'll you'll find you 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 figure it out. We'll all figure it out. It doesn't if we don't. It doesn't matter. Who cares? Bob, I got a I got a list of names. Bob, um, Barry Wilner, John McLean, Paul Domowich, Les Bowen, Ed Bouchette, Bob Glauber. Uh, we're all at that age, Bob, and it's all happened uh, in the last dead? year or two. Um, so, Bob, take a look back, step back. How's the new breed, Bob? How's the next generation doing in your eyes? And um, what's the difference between us and them? You know, that's a really good question, Ira. And one of the things that I've always done, and I've just naturally gravitated toward it, I always like to deal with younger writers. For two reasons. I like the energy, but I also like to hold out a hand to say, hey, this is a weird, tough business. If you need anything, let me know and I'll be glad to help you in any way I can. You know, even if we're competitors, who cares? It's a hard business. And as people, I think as the older generation, we owe it to, you know, to the next generation. Hey, hey, come on aboard and here's what you got to know. Now, this younger generation is super, super talented. Collectively, talent is off the charts. As writers, as thinkers, as multitaskers, I don't particularly like, you know, you, you got you to gotta, you gotta tweet during press conferences. It's a pain in the neck, but they do it. 
and that's part of the gig. So I think there's a lot of talent there. The one challenge that they will have that we had the benefit of when we worked in our you know generation is they have to work at relationships much, much more than, than we did because the, the, the framework for covering was so much better and more conducive to developing relationships than it is now. And I give the example, you know, we'll get 45 minutes at lunch uh, for our access, right? Three times a week, four times a week. Well, okay. You get locker room, you get the star players go once a week. That's it. But you do at least have locker room, 45 minutes. Well, <laughs> when I started, you know, back in my day, we had 45 minutes at lunch for the Giants. Then we got Bill Parcells for however long we needed him. Then we watched every second of every practice if we wanted to. Then we came back into the locker room to get unlimited access with the players. Unlimited. We would sometimes stand around so much we'd have to like go sit on the couch and read the paper just to, you know, just to, just to get off our feet. That's how much access we had. And we could go to them with them to their cars. We we call them on the phone at home. So when you have that, there's it's much, much easier to get more in-depth in your reporting. Now, 45 minutes at lunch, that's it. You got to figure out a way to connect with these players. And these players are savvy. They know, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell my, I have the Players Tribune. I can do that. I have Twitter. So it's much, much more challenging to develop those relationships and therefore produce the, the interesting stories that people do want to read. Speaking with Hall of Fame voter Bob Glauber on the iTest for two. And Bob, I'm glad you mentioned that because I've told Ira many times I had such unreal access in San Francisco that it became spoiled with Steve Young, who was then the quarterback. And I, I was there from 1994 through 2000. I could get him six out of seven days. The one day I couldn't was Tuesday because the players had off. But as I've mentioned to Ira before, one Tuesday I was out there. My car was dead, had a dead battery. I talked to security and I said, I need someone to help jump this. Steve Young comes out of locker room. He was working out that day. He goes, I'll help you. So he jumped it and he made it clear. And now people would say, what about Saturday? I went to walkthroughs. It, yeah. It's George Seifert and then Steve Marich who said, you're welcome to come to walkthroughs. Nobody else did. And every so often a story fell in your lap. But Steve always made it clear. Anytime you want me, I'm available here. And now I look at some of these guys who say, OK, we'll give you five or 10 minutes on Wednesday with the star quarterback. And that's it. And you've got about 50 people around them. Also, there are fewer people trying to get close to these guys. But you're yeah, right. the, 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 it's true. It's just the infrastructure is so different. Now. So different. And, and, and listen, uh, it is what it is for young writers and, and journalists and, and, you know, in TV or radio. Yeah, that's what you, that's you got to deal with it and you yeah. got to find your way. You can find a way. It's just harder. That's right. Um, cliched question, but uh, I hope I don't get a cliched answer. Your favorite athlete to cover and maybe your favorite story to cover. Favorite athlete, Harry Carson. And I, Harry was with the Giants the first game that I covered. Now, I, I covered my first game. I had no idea. It was a 22-year-old who had to fill in for our Giants writer. He was sick. Tommy Whalen was our Giants writer. I got a call. Could you, could you go to the Giants game? Sure. Well, it's 1978. I think it's December 10th. That game is an historic game. Why? Because it's three weeks after the fumble. Right. And they fly a plane over the stadium that day. <laughs> right. That's I remember the, that. That's the game. 
15, they fly a plane that says 15 years of lousy football. We've had enough. The fans start chanting, we've had enough. We've had. I'm like, I, I, I'm like, oh, well, so, oh, Giants look pretty good. I think they won 17 nothing. Oh, they got a quarterback, Randy Dean. And uh, so I, after the game, I go in and, I, and John McVay is the coach. He is the interim coach. And I, he was pepper. He was just hammered with questions. Did you see the plane? What'd you think? burning tickets out of the stadium it's chaos but i remember john mcveigh was so classy and dignified in that moment i just it's just like i'm 22 i don't know but i i remember that so then i mean it's a long-winded answer but and i'll get back to john mcveigh but harry carson was on that team and harry carson was on the 85 team when i first started covering as a beat writer so he was there the whole time and i Got to know Harry Carson probably better than any player because he opened up. He opened up about football. Great leader, captain, phenomenal player, awesome, emotional, revealing. You know, just talked about the everything about football. After his career's over, he's got a concussion issue that he talks about openly. Talks about life after football. He gets involved with the Fritz Pollard Alliance. Talks about the problems with you know. Uh, lack of opportunity for black coaches. So every level of his life, he's had something to do with football and he has let me in um, to the point where we were talking one time, I think for this last book, we're talking for about an hour. He goes, uh, you know, Bob, um, <clears throat> we've been on the phone a lot, right? And in, a, in my life, we've been on the phone and I have never charged you. <laughs> I go, <laughs> I go, all right, Harry, Harry, you want to start now? You want to, Put the meter on. Go ahead. Just just go ahead. So that's the kind of relationship. And, you know, Clark, the last time I my last road trip where I knew I was going to be done uh, is coming back from the Hall of Fame. And I hadn't seen Harry and I missed it because I, he's just my favorite guy. And I love seeing him out there. So I miss seeing him. Well, we're starting our descent and I'm getting a little choked up because, you know, there's just like this ending. I, I, I just know it. And and. Who's on my flight, but Harry Carson. Hmm. So we get back to New York airport. I flag him down in um, uh, baggage claim and I see him and he's waiting for his bags. He sees me, he smiles. I go, Harry, Harry, you know, you were with the giants the first time I ever covered them. And you are here on the last road trip that I'm taking for Newsday. And he, he kind of understands what that means. He goes, you're done? I go, yeah, yeah. And I'm so glad that you're there because that means the world to me. And I, and I hugged him. You know, we, we, it's like, so that's my favorite player. Did you tell him, Harry, keep the change? <laughs> oh, but we laugh about that. We laugh about that. Um, and then the favorite game, the favorite memory, the one that keeps sticking out is uh, Vinny Testaverde after he's done with Tampa. Ira, were you there ripping his butt in Tampa? I saw those 35 interceptions in 1988. Okay. That's a, okay. That's a yes. So he has this horrendous run in Tampa. Guys like Ira just ripping him to shreds, just being merciless on this guy, right? So he goes to Cleveland. He's got to be the guy who ultimately replaces Bernie Kosar for the most unpopular coach they've known in Bill Belichick. They're in a playoff game against the Patriots. Bill Belichick's 
mentor, Bill Parcells, is coaching. They're in Cleveland Stadium. It's cold, dank, gray, damp, crap weather, typical, you know, Cleveland off-the-lake weather. And Vinny Testaverde wins the playoff game. So at the very end of the game, I know I got my story. He's from Elmont, Long Island. He's like a local for us. Uh, end of the game, gets in victory formation. Clock goes to zero. He goes to one knee and he cradles the ball. He holds it for like five seconds. He's just, he stays down there and he's got his head bowed. Okay. So I make a note of it. Uh, he, he does his press conference um, and I get him aside. I go, I noticed you took a knee. Can you tell me what you were thinking about? He says, yeah, I was thinking about my father. Okay. Uh, What about it? Well, he couldn't be here. Al Testaverde had a heart condition. So he had to drive to the game, couldn't fly. And during the game, he couldn't sit there because he'd get too excited and they worried he'd have a heart attack and die. So he went to a, a local shopping mall and just walked around during the game. He had no idea what happened in the game. Wow. But Vinny obviously de- dedicates this whole thing to his to his dad. And I, you know, he was great on it. Vinny, when he's explained something, he's awesome. He's a great talker. And, he's a you know, great, he's great talker. Great yeah, guy. Great, great guy. guy. He's just a great guy. I know he had problems in ten. So so I write it and I'm 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 kind of pleased with like this is what you hope for as a writer. It's like perfect. I've got a close relationship with my dad and everyone relates to that kind of thing. If you haven't. So I, I write it and I'm pleased with it. So the editor calls the next day. Hey, good story. We're getting good feedback on it. Want you to call the father today to get a follow-up. Good. Uh, call out test of and and uh, get him. I go, Al, this is Bob Glauber from Newsday. Um, is this, is this a good time? He goes, you son of a bitch. Right. I'm like, oh, he says, you got me. You got me. All right. All right. I read it. I cried. OK, you got me. What do you, you know? I'm like, oh, wow. Wow. So and we talked and he was very nice. Now, Al Testaverde was not a fan of Newsday because everyone has criticized his son. And he is he's an intense football father. To know that you got through that was like, okay, that, and that always, always resonated. Um, and uh, that was, that was one of my favorites. That's a hell of a story, Bobby. Um, Bob, uh, I know you covered the Giants, but you, you were a very uh, close observer of the Jets as well, Bob. Uh, let me run a couple of names past you. It's a very Hall of Fame-centric uh, show, Bob. Uh, just a couple of your quick thoughts on uh, Joe Klecko getting in, Bob, um, and guys that are uh, still on the outside, but their day might come. Carl Banks, Eli Manning, uh, Tom Coughlin, but start with Klecko, Bob. All right. My comment on Joe Klecko. Quote. <laughs> you will explain that, Bob. You will explain. <laughs> Sorry. All right. So, so the reason I say that because Ira Kaufman is a legendary speaker. One of my biggest regrets in life was he 
got Warren Sapp into the Hall of Fame before Michael Strahan. We both presented those players. Ira in his me in the you know we're not allowed to say what is said, but I can say Ira Ira would uh, get these testimonials. And during our meetings in front of 50, 49 Hall of Fame voters, Ira would say, and uh, here's what um, Tony Dungy said about uh, John Lynch. Quote. He just said, quote, quote. Yeah, but you remember that opening statement for Warren Sapp? That was the clincher. That was the clincher. We will not re- we will not repeat it, but that's what clinched the the first ballot Hall of Fame. Now he can Ira can say what you know. What, well, I, I quoted Keyshawn Johnson, Bob. I quoted I quoted Keyshawn Johnson on ninety nine, and he said he was an a hole, but he belongs. That was the yeah. quote. Yeah, and uh, you so know Bob, what? That, what? Joe Klecko. Joe Klecko, okay. my friend. Oh, you want me to get like? All right, I was just doing the entertainment. <laughs> you guys want a little bit of, you know. That, that phase uh, is Flecko, over. Absolutely deserving. Um, I, I was in on the seniors um, uh, voting and, and our discussion and meeting. It was very, I'm, I, I love our, our process. It's, it's, if people could kind of get in there, I know it's, you, you can, and it's supposed to be um, secret uh, or just private and because you can have the freedom to talk but the process is great now Klecko pro bowl all pro or pro bowl at three different positions all pro at two different positions right that's ridiculous along the defensive line um unselfish player he, he could have been the sack meister of the league more than Gasto, or at least as much as Gastineau but he went from defensive end with 20 sacks then he moved to defensive tackle got all pro there, got pro bowl there, and then went to nose tackle after Bud Carson asked him if he'd mind doing that. And Klecko says, sure. So he gets all pro in his first year as a nose tackle and kind of creates that offset position where Sapp used it, you know, like a three technique where you kind of are, are angled a little bit. And he used that to his advantage. He was a, a pioneer with that. So I, I think he's got, he checks all the boxes, greatness, um, longevity, and you know, lifted up a team, and and I, I have no problem with him being in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Carl Banks, uh, right. Eli, and Coughlin. Okay, now Carl Banks, his issue is he did not get the accolades, and I think his problem is that I don't know. I th- he he'll be a senior guy. I just don't know if the personal accolades were not enough that to to put him in. You know, Carson had what eight Pro Bowls. I think Banks had one or two Pro Bowls, so I, I have to be specific about that. He was a great player, um, but he was overshadowed by Harry Carson and Lawrence Taylor, and I think that will probably hurt him over time. Um, I think he's absolutely in the discussion. I don't know if that's going to you know, be enough to kind of vault him over. There's a lot of people in that queue um, right now. Coughlin absolutely deserves it. I'm, I'm a little mystified at why he's not in that um, group in the hunt already because he got a an expansion team into the AFC championship game two, twice, right? An expansion team. He won two Super Bowls with the Giants and developed what I think is a Hall of Fame quarterback in Eli Manning and beat the coach and quarterback of the ages not once but twice in the Super Bowl. So I, I think that the, the body of work is, you know, he's got the, the career record is right up there with the, the Hall of Famers. So I think it's only a matter of time for Tom Coughlin. And I, I honestly don't know why he's not more in the conversation. You know, maybe because he's not a 
he's not Parcells. He had that magnetic personality, but the guy, the guy got it done. He knew how to coach football teams. Now, Eli is going to be a controversial subject because a lot of skeptics will say, well, he didn't produce the kind of numbers that scream out. You're, you know, the, the title of this is the eye test, right? Eli didn't always pass the eye test in terms of the numbers, but he passed the eye test in terms of getting it done on the biggest stage in the world, um, beating Tom Brady. Now, he didn't beat Tom Brady, but he beat the Patriots twice, was the Super Bowl MVP both times. Uh, never missed a game um, because of injury. Was benched once, but, you know, that was a weird circumstance. Okay, but it happened. Um, and I, I think the only thing that will be a factor and the thing that I will probably have to fight against when I, you know, present him when, when his time is up, is eligible, um, is that, you know, the numbers. Now, he did. he's a top 10 quarterback at his retirement in every important passing category attempts, touchdowns, you know, completion. So I think the numbers are there and I think the accomplishments are there, but I, I understand why some people might say, well, is he, he's not Peyton, you know, Peyton Manning, you say his name, he's in Favre, Marino, right? Montana, Young. It's like, you just say their name. I, it, we don't have to talk about it. They're in. Well, you got to talk about Eli and kind of explain some of the things that, that, that go on behind those numbers. Uh, Bob, quick one on the brink of the season. Um, give me a team on the rise, and uh, who's going to win the Super Bowl this year? Team on the rise, uh, can I say the the Chargers? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. I, I I do like the Chargers. I think they're going to kind of um, be in that mix there. In the in the what a, what an unbelievable division that that is. The AFC West this year is the equivalent of the NFC East in the eighties. Just as a passing division, it's going to be awesome. Um, I like the Bills over the Packers in the Super Bowl. Wow, you've been reading Peter King. You know, <laughs> my stuff came out two days after Peter. I had all of his, like, oh, Peter King's picking the Bills over the Packers. Well, me too. <laughs> you know, well, that's, it, that's, it, that's interesting because I was shocked when he had the Packers. I went, what do you like about the Packers? I mean, I understand the Bills. And, and I understand, you, you know, saying about the Chargers, I covered that team for 10 years. I understand what you're saying. You know, the problem I've got is not with personnel, it's with the head coach. I, I just don't get where he is. I mean, he's aggressive, but I think he's reckless. Gambler, right? Yeah, I, well, I think he's reckless. I mean, you know, fourth and one at your own 18, you're going for it? I don't think so. Not in the game you need to win. Anyway, um, but I agree with you on the Bills. What do you like about the Packers? Here's what I like. I think the Packers defensively are better than people give them credit for. I, I don't think you think about the Packers as a defensive team. No. Their running game is very good. Good, and right. they've got they've got the best quarterback in the game. I'll take that. I already said the best quarterback in the game. You weren't talking about Tom Brady, somebody Aaron Rodgers. You got a problem I'm with not, that? I'm not arguing with them. I'm not arguing with them. Um, and and, it's a, and listen, it's it's fine. You know, like I, if I don't have a problem with Brady being called the best quarterback, listen, you're talking about the two-time defending MVP. It's I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, now, he, I, now he's got to he's got to get over some humps here now. Okay, you gotta you gotta win in January. You got you gotta just find a way. That's the problem I've got with him. You know those know. championship games and that last win against Tampa. That was very winnable. That was very yeah. winnable in the second half. Run the ball into the end zone. There. Absolutely, run it right instead of throwing it. Yeah, he had every opportunity. Uh, yeah. I'll I'll ask you a couple quick questions. We're speaking with Hall of Fame voter Bob Glauber on the eye test for two. And Bob, uh, I'm going back to New York since you do cover the, the you did cover the Jets and the Giants. You certainly know a lot about them. 
Uh, been a long time since they'd been in the playoffs. The Giants, I think it was 2016 when they were last there. The Jets, 2010. You know, yeah. and since then, they've had they, – they've, they've been last in their division five of the last six years. They've had one winning season since then. So what's the prognosis? Can you give New York fans, Jets, Giants, either one of them, hope for this year? No. Okay. So next question. <laughs> Where, what are we going to be Not saying five year. years from now Not about Daniel Jones okay. and Zach Wilson? What are we okay. saying about that? Well, five years from now, CJ Stroud will have the giants in position <laughs> to contend for a Super Bowl. I thought, I thought Arch, 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 Arch Manning. Would. Arch Manning will be the first, you know, Neil Best. I'll tell you what, my call, my beloved colleague at Newsday, Neil Best wrote a column about, several years ago i'll have to dig it out for you and you talk about arch manning being the first overall pick for the giants in 2025 <laughs> whatever right i mean this thing could come true oh my <laughs> but there's, i think the next quarterback of the giants is playing on saturdays this year i just do now mm -hmm. jones showed modest improvement in the preseason what the hell does that mean Nothing. right right <laughs> so and and the jets you know the jets are a little further along in the roster building process it, everything depends on Zach Wilson. I'm sorry it's one guy. It's true. But around him, Joe Douglas, the general manager, has done a good job in building up a pretty good base of talent. But if he didn't hit it right on his quarterback from last year, then it all falls down. So what's your message to Giants and or Jets fans for 2022? Uh, just be just be patient. Be patient. Because it's going to take some time, but I do think I do think both teams are in good hands in terms of their their building um, capabilities. The Giants, there's there, there's logic now. Mm -hmm. You know, Dable. I don't know if Dable's a Hall of Fame coach. He, he uh, hopes to be, but he and Joe Shane, the general manager, are logical and sensible. They're doing. They they had to clean up a mess, Clark. That was, I've never seen it like that before. And, and, you know, Dave Gettleman and his hog mollies and, you know, trying to build the, the team from the lines. It just it was a catastrophe in terms of football parlance. Right. Yeah. So they've got a they've got two years worth of cleaning up to do before they can kind of set the, you know, go go really up. OK, I got one more for you, Bob. Thanks so yeah. much. You've been fantastic. Bob, take a step back. Um, Look at this league as a whole, Bob. Um, is it invulnerable? Can anybody screw up this uh, juggernaut called the National Football League? Bob, are they always going to be number one? Um, and is Roger Goodell a good steward, Bob? I think they'll always be number one. Um, but, you know, things do change. You know, you look at businesses that were around in the 40s. Maybe there's like one company, IBM, that's still in existence. So, so things do change. And um, I remember when, you know, there was a quote, and it's not, I'm, I'm not, I'm just talking about the research for this book on Kenny Washington played in the NFL. He was a great baseball player and he played for the Rams, first black player to reintegrate football. And he played baseball. And he said, you know, baseball will always be king. You know, you play 162 or 154 games a year, whatever it was then. You'll always have that because they're exposed more. Well, you know what? That that kind of changed, didn't it? In today's world, it's better to have fewer games because, you know, you have these one-week 
stories. These are great chapters, right? Every week, it's great. So, I, you know, but it's not guaranteed. They, they could still screw it up. Um, player safety is, is huge. I think if, you know, they're doing a better job with that. So I, I can't see for the next 50 years where, where things change like that. As far as Goodell being a, a good steward for the NFL, I would say yes. Um, uh, you look, there, there are flaws. I think the, the uh, disciplinary system has been his bugaboo, uh, starting with the Ray Rice thing. They've tried to kind of get that right. Um, he struggled with that. But I think the health of the game, uh, this is by far the most popular sport. I don't know. how, how is He's not screwing it up. And that's that's the, the, the biggest job of a, of a person in his position is to kind of shepherd the game as best you can. And you're never going to be perfect. Um, so where where can he get better? Probably in the handling of the discipline. But that's a that's evolved over time. But overall, business wise, they're they're making money hand over fist and uh, football wise, just just the game itself is incredibly healthy. Um, and in a good spot where people love to watch it and now love to bet on it. That's another story for yeah, another time. But, that's right. Um, and you know, Bob, I, one of the great things about it, Bob, uh, as opposed to some other sports, every year there, there, there's three new division winners and, and five new teams in the playoffs. I mean, every year. Yes, yes. Contrast that with when we started in the 80s, you could kind of know your teams. That This is all, this is free agency and, parity right and it's and it's a good system because it it creates hope for for every team you know even the giants and jets have been down a long time you get a, you get a Bengals team going from last to first and going to the super bowl within a year like the joe burrow that, that's that's all you can ask for so the setup is very conducive to teams being able to get better and fans being able to kind of latch on whereas in tampa all those lean years in the 80s you knew they were going to sting. You just knew it. But, you know, things evolved over time. And I give, you know, Tagliabu set that whole thing up with Upshaw. Um, and that really was the beginning. It was the end of dynasties, I think. But, you know, except for the Patriots. And that, that, that's a big one. But, you know, Brady is the reason for that and Belichick. But it creates this um, structure and system where you can kind of be terrible one year and fix it quickly. I, I appreciate your comments on some of those reservations because I remember when my father was talking to me about another sport and he said when he was a kid, the biggest sports were boxing and horse racing. They were the kings. Yeah. He goes, look, look at them now. And, yeah. and I do think at some point the bubble bursts. I just think at some point the bubble bursts. And the first thing that comes to mind is CTE and kids are kids being raised to play football today. And in some cases, I know just personally, that's not the case of being raised to play soccer, for instance. Yeah. Um, and, and so you see sort of a shift there, but uh, I don't think that's in the short term. I think it might be in the long term. I, I, I'm not so confident, but certainly in the short term, all the signals are there that it's, it's going to be profitable for a while. A couple last things for me, Bob, one, and I'll make this quick. Uh, as you mentioned, you're on the senior committee of the hall of fame. You are a hall of fame voter, as we said, um, we're soon going to vote on the class of 2023, and I'm talking about the modern era class of 2023. We all, already have our coach contributor, um, and we're going to have the three uh, senior finalists. Joe Klecko is one of them. But then we're going to have the modern era, 15 modern era finalists at some point for the class of 2023. 
Who do you think is going to be in there? Um, maybe not so much the last five, but who would you consider favorites? Uh, Darrell Revis is going to be his first year of eligibility. Joe Thomas is going to be there uh, in this class. Also, uh, Dwight Freeney, uh, Elvis Dumerville. Do you see Thomas and Revis as being first ballot Hall of Famers? And if not, why not? Well, I, I and you know, the guys you mentioned now, Dumerville, I think will be, mm, I don't know about first ballot. He's going to have, he's got big numbers, but. You think he's a finalist this year? I think he's one of the 15 finalists. I don't know. You know, we got Zach Thomas. I think Zach Thomas, this, this could be his year. Rondé Barber. Uh, Rondé Barber. um, Eric Allen is always kind of nipping at the heels of the, you know, getting into the 15. But uh, I think that the one guy for this year is Joe Thomas, period. End of, you know, whoever, uh, Mary Kay Cabot. Uh, Yes. Joe Thomas, you know, you can drop the mic on that one because he had it all. He was, great for a terrible team forever one of the most re- remarkable careers in the history of the game Revis, i think should be a whole of uh, first ballot but and, you know com- and with this class i think he kind of stacks up well um a little bit of a you know his his prime years are a little bit short but i but not not to the point where it would preclude him from doing that so i i think those two are absolutely at the head of the class freeney i think is a Hall of Famer. Whether it happens this year, we don't know. Yeah, the problem with Freeney to me is he's got Robert Mathis out there too. So you want Mathis, you want Freeney, and they may split the, the vote. Um, and the last question, what do you think the biggest story is this year? Is it Brady's last hurrah? Is it what's going on in San Francisco, you know, with, with Trey Lance? Is it this Cleveland mess with Deshaun Watson, the Bills, um, Russell Wilson in Denver, um, Aaron Rodgers, you know, with, with a new cast around him? What's the biggest story? What's the thing that's got your interest this year? I would probably put Brady at the top of that only because we've seen this kind of, it's weird, right? He retired. Right. And then he came back and then he took a sabbatical or leave of absence and he came back. So, you know, we're looking at, I've, I've, I've always felt like, Oh, well, let's enjoy him while we can, because it may not last much longer. I once asked him in a, in a training camp um, setting, we're walking back off the field in Foxborough. I get him going back to the locker room. Hey, you know, he was getting older. You ever think of, you know, retiring? Yeah, have, 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 have those thoughts crossed your mind? He stops and he just looks at me and he goes, I, I don't know what the hell else I'll, I would do. Yeah. It was, a, it was like, not sad, but it was like poignant, you know? He was 36 years old. Well, Bob, we had Seth Wickersham on here. You know, he wrote the book on Brady. Yeah. And he was talking about that. He did find it kind of sad because he said he looks at Brady and thinks without football, he's not sure what he can do or will do. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a, an interesting development as a human, as a as a man, as a, a post career. Listen, you know, post career NFL is a huge deal. Yeah, it is. If, if you're covering this league, you got to cover that story. You got to cover injuries and life after football. So I think that's the one that kind of draws me. Okay. Uh, Russell Wilson is the other one. The 49ers, yes. I mean, like, okay, I'm interested in Trey Lance, but from a but I think globally, um, Brady, Rogers, um, Russell Wilson, and I, I'm I'm very curious to see you know what happens with the Chargers. I think they they can be a really good team if they if they overcome their coaching, like like you said, <laughs> um, and. It's going to be the usual storm. Though. It's going to be like, who is the surprise team going to be? That yeah. always, always a surprise team. You know, yeah. who are the Bengals this year? 
Yeah, no, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah. And Ira, by the way, do you notice what he said there when he was walking off the field with Brady and talking to them? Ira's been chasing him for months and he's not been walking off the field for him. Every time I'm around him, Bob, there, there's there's 14 reporters and he and he lasts about two minutes at the podium. I know. That, that's it. He, he just listen, I, I get it. He's kind of had it. He's got a he's got to push back. And that's the that's the problem with increased media. Yeah. You know, they have to their players need to function. So they need to push back. I get it. It's just, you know, it makes it hard for, for everybody, really. Well, it's like but, you were talking yeah. about earlier about relationships. You don't have those relationships. So yeah. they're not really sure whom they're talking to. But they knew, Ira, or he knew, that he was talking to Bob Glauber. Apparently, he does know that Ira Kaufman's out there waiting for him. That's why he's taking that side door. Well, uh, quote, quote, sure. maybe, Gl- maybe Glauber can uh, text me uh, Brady's number. Quote. <laughs> yeah, quote. Cool. You know, I'm sorry. One of my biggest regrets, Ira, you know, I, I, I took that away from you. I took that away from us because you got you got a little like self-conscious with that quote. You, you tempered it from then on. I, I'm sorry for the whole thing. I'm bringing it back in the uh, in, on the Zoom call. I'm bringing it back. Okay. Thank you. And Bob, thanks so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much for the stories. And quote, good luck with the next chapter of your career. That chapter. And thanks for having me, guys. Always love talking and you guys rock. Thanks, Bob. That was Hall of Fame voter Bob Glauber. And Ira, you know what? I was glad you mentioned that. That, This must be the year to retire. I mean, you'd have Barry Wilner. We have John McClain, Domo. And you mentioned Paul Domowich, um, Ed Bouchette, Serena Williams, Bob Glauber. I mean, what's next for you and me? Well, I don't I don't think we'll get a, a stadium full of people uh, chanting uh, Clark, Clark, Clark. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. They are. They are. Wait a minute. Well, what's all the noise about? Clark? Well, it's about, de- about it's about December 16th, 1984. And that's a game that you wouldn't remember. And probably most people don't remember and they shouldn't. The season ending game for the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Diego Chargers. It was in San Diego, Jack Murphy Stadium. Neither team was going anywhere. Chiefs won at 42-21. So there really isn't much to remember about that game. But it's not so much the game that I'm talking about here. It's what happened before. The Chargers offensive coordinator was a guy named Ernie Zampezi, one of my favorite guys in this business and one of the great coaches of all time. And that was my first year covering the Chargers. I'd moved out there from covering the Colts in Baltimore. They left, obviously, for Indianapolis, so I covered the Chargers that year. So prior to that game, I'm talking to Ernie. He's a great play caller, as you know. And he was asking me about some things. And I asked him about play calls. And I said, I'll be honest with you, Ernie. You know, I don't know. I don't understand some of these calls. And he goes, well, like what? And I showed him and he said, well, if you got a better call, just diagram. And I said, I do. I've got one that we used all the time in school when I was growing up. We used him in touch football games. It always worked. And I diagrammed. It was basically a pick play. And you run a guy off of somebody else. And it's really what they call a rub today, but a pick play. And, and I said, what do you think? He goes, I don't think it's going to work. And I said, you don't. And he goes, but I'll try it. I said, what? He goes, I'll try it. And I said, you're kidding me. He goes, hey, we're seven and eight. All right, well, we'll give it a shot. So we tried it. It didn't work. I saw him afterwards. And he goes, what did I tell you? It wouldn't work. And I mentioned that because Ernie passed away on August 29 at the age of 86. And I got to tell you, you could have knocked me over with a feather then. I, I, I loved and admired that guy. And he was so great to be around. And we were talking about Bob and the, relationship that you had with uh, other players or other coaches 
you got to know them. And you know that, Ira. And I got to know Ernie well. And Nick Canepa and I remember one time went out to dinner with him to, at a restaurant in Pacific Beach and, and picked his brain. And then on the flights back from games, we covered the team for an afternoon paper. So you could leave after the game and go back to town and write it that night. And you flew on the charter with the team. Well, Ernie Zampese, always would walk up, sit down with us and answer our questions and tell us, this is what you missed. This is what you should know. Leave me out of it. Or he'd say, leave me out of it. And we would. <laughs> but we got to understand it. And I, I, I miss him dearly. One of the, that, you know, I, I remember Troy Aikman said, called him one of the greatest offensive minds and greatest people that this game has ever known. I, I, I couldn't emphasize that more. Hey, Clark, Clark, if I go back to the play-by-play sheet, the official NFL, you know, play-by-play sheet, and on that particular play, and they describe it, does it say submitted by Clark Judge? <laughs> no, it doesn't, but it should, because that's a stroke <laughs> against me and a strike for Ernie Zambezi to say, hey, listen, that wasn't mine. <laughs> that was this jerk's. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, Ira, you got some final thoughts? No, I mean, this is the best time of year. You know, everybody yeah. zero and zero. Well, um, no, I, I've got a final thought for you then. What's the game you're most looking forward to this weekend? Because they're great games. And, I, and I'm and i sure, you know, the, the Tampa Bay one is, so I'll let's say, excluding the Tampa Bay game. There's some great matchups. So you've got, for instance, uh, Cleveland at Carolina. And, you know, the backstory to that, everyone does. We've got um, uh, Russell Wilson going into Seattle on Monday night. Uh, that's a great game. Uh, there are just so many, to me, good matchups here. Um, I'm going to start Miami, Clark, gonna, uh, Miami, New I'm England. Gonna, I'm going to start right at the beginning, Clark. And that's oh, you Bills go Rams. Buffalo. Yeah, that's Bill's Rams. I yeah, think. that's a great, yeah, tomorrow Buffalo and uh, Thursday can make night. make a quick, an early statement, an right. early statement. And you know what, Clark? I'm a little concerned about Matt Stafford's right elbow. Yeah. I'm a little concerned. Yeah, there are nine new quarterbacks in this league, Ira. I mean, nine new starting quarterbacks. Wow. Anyone have your attention? Russell Wilson, maybe? I, Trey Lance is the guy that's got my attention. I'm, I'm looking Francisco. at the 49ers. I'm with you. I'm looking at them. I think they, got a very, I think they have a very good team. Yeah, they do. They got they, a heck of a defense. They yeah, got a heck I, of a defense. I like that team with the exception of the quarterback. I would not have made the change. I probably wouldn't have made that draft pick. I think that's a great risk. But I thought when they signed Jimmy Garoppolo to that new contract, which had much less uh, cap strike, and they got him at a much better value, I thought that was more a statement about Trey Lance than anything else. We need to have a safety net here because if this guy doesn't work out, we've got a proven winner behind him. That's just my opinion. We'll see I how it works out. Right. I think that's going to end up being one of the great moves John Lynch has ever made as a GM because, Clark, I wouldn't be shocked by game seven if Jimmy G's understand. Yeah, I, I wouldn't either. It may happen even sooner than that hour. I wouldn't either. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week. If you'd like to hear more I Test for Two podcasts, you can. Just go to fullpresscoverage.com, click on podcasts, and look for the eye test for two. Otherwise, catch us right here next week. Thanks so much for listening.